not really hearing it, but I can I can feel the pulse. Oh yeah, I was gonna say to hear your heartbeat, beat, you have to go into one of those one one of those really quiet rooms that they have like I guess a bunch of like the soundproofing materials and all that, but it's just a, like a noise isolation room. It's a different kind of sensory deprivation. Everybody says like you go crazy if you go in there for a couple minutes, but some people seem to be able to handle it better than others. As we've talked about before, I've been lucky enough to go to some of the recording studios in Toronto um, that have just the absolute most quiet of quiet rooms, and it's jarring to stand in the middle when nobody else is there. We each got a turn. I really want to try that. The door gets shut, and it's like literally nothing you've ever heard. Sounds fantastic. It's, It's... If you turned off all the sound like all the sound your products would make and you sat in there you could be creatively productive if quiet was your thing hmm. i like a little bit of sound when i'm writing so music helps but yeah, i like to listen to music too for productivity's sake i although i would like to try the separate sensory deprivation i can't speak right now i'm too tired from work sensory deprivation angle would be interesting the quietest place i can think of that i've ever been is when I was a kid, I used to build snow forts. And if you get a really thick walled snow fort, it's the middle of the night. Nobody's driving around the neighborhood. It can be silent in an extreme kind of way. Especially if you can lay still. That's, that's the kind of environment you could stay still and hear your heartbeat, I think. But otherwise, it's not... I don't think it's that easy to, to necessarily hear a heartbeat, even if you can feel it. One of the most relaxing noises or sounds I've heard... Um, I mean, one of my favorites is obviously ocean or waves crashing on the beach, but you take it one step further on some of the ships that I've been on, they don't do it anymore. They don't let you do it, but you used to be able to go out to the helicopter pad at the front of the ship, not as far as the Titanic point, like not the front of the ship. Hmm. There's always a helicopter pad on the front. So normally it's an observation deck Yeah, and they used to open it up at night and they'd open it up in half an hour chunks so you could go out and they'd shut off the lights. And all you see is just a 360 of the stars. And if you're if it's your day at sea and you're out in the ocean and there's nothing around you and they shut off the lights to the front of the ship, which I would imagine is slightly dangerous for the ship to do. Um, I guess out in the middle of nowhere, maybe not. What do you, what's going to happen? And all you hear is the surprisingly quiet crashes of the waves hitting the ship that's a neat sound that sounds amazing why do you think they stopped letting people do that i have no idea the last one that i went on in 2016 i asked like i said that was such a such a powerful thing when i was a younger and they they just won't let you they won't let you do it Hmm. i'm also surprised that at the very bow of the ship they don't let you go up there like it's not an observation area I, I don't know why. Another neat thing, although it's not as nice, is going to the like center and back of the ship and just watching the, the wake of the ship. So you, you can go to the back of it? Yes. Okay. Interesting. I, I guess probably not all cruise ships are the same, although I'd imagine they're similar. I'm assuming once one, especially in a brand of cruise ship, once one takes a standard, the at least the ones in the fleet do. It's unfortunate, but... I think I was 13 when I saw it last, and I don't think I appreciate it as much as I would now, but just the, like, I I can't think of another place that I've been that would let you look 
all the way around and only see stars. Because you like Tila's cottage is great for stars, but you look around, you see trees. Like it was just an open. Climb one of those trees. Yes, you could do that. It is. It's kind of, kind of amazing. If you get into big enough field, or if you went out to the middle of the water, you might have a better shot at it. Uh, also, at uh, my family cottage, it's pretty, pretty damn amazing. I got lots of good astrophotography from up there because you, you see stars unlike anywhere else, pretty much. Very little light pollution. So that's just I, my Algonquin Park would be a great place for that. I haven't been to Algonquin Park in a long time. No, and I'd love to go back. It, it it's a long drive oh, it from is. here. It's very, but it's it's super isolated in an interesting way because it's basically prohibitive to have like populations moving in there. Like, there's no ability for people to go and live there. Essentially, and it's this huge, huge expansive park. Where you're just you once you go in, you're in, and the rest of society is kind of not around. And, and yeah, there's little shops and stuff on some of the streets, but it's it feels very isolated too. Like and and there's definitely it's geared towards lots of people just come up for a passive hike or whatever. And there's a bunch of trails that are clearly marked out and they're short and that you can do them in like less than an hour. And then there's the backcountry trails that are just make up your own trail, do whatever you want to do. I like the you canoeing. Can, camp on some of them and all that you like canoeing yeah portaging that's an interesting thing that's available to me now because my truck is very suited to having a canoe tied up i have like roof racks and all that if i had a, a canoe or a kayak i feel like i'd probably take advantage of it at this point because i've never been able to at any other point in my life it's fun it's nice um last one i did it wasn't at algonquin we used to we used to canoe quite a bit the one that we did we started on a river but like 15 15 minutes out of tilsonburg and we just went the entire weekend like yeah. we knew we'd be picked up at some point we just had to find the right spot and we just went as far as we could we camped in a field interesting to do that on the french river because that's what i've canoed the most and I, I mean, I could get my family to pick me up after the end of it, but just go down the river as far as you can. Maybe I'm just falling out of a canoe. You fell out of the big one. Not out of, I was with, it was a mix of us older scouts and the youngest one, um, one of the people that was at the wedding that we did for Blaine and Kelsey. And it, it, he and I had become friends, so he went with me, but we both had different, different canoe goals it seemed that there were a few times in the river where you could take the the safe way down the river or you could kind of go over some logs and whatnot and he was younger and he was in the back so he was steering mm -hmm. so i didn't really get to choose no. and at one point we went over a downed log and we got stuck <laughs> thankfully not because of me my front end went over but we got stuck so i got out of the canoe on the log mm -hmm. to try to push him over and uh part of the log wasn't a log it was just piled up wood that looked it was so weird you just fell right through I, after a few minutes of move pushing i fell right into the water and it's it's it was it was fine i got out yeah i never fallen out of a canoe which sounds really annoying if you tip one over 
but I have intentionally rolled over a kayak because that's done that. just something you do for some reason when you're kayaking. I like kayaking more than I canoeing. Like, I like kayaking. The agility you have doing it is so much better. I would say, like, you feel so much more in control. You can steer quicker. You can move quicker. I used to kayak in Bob Cajun. That is a place I'd like to visit. I don't know if there's much else to do other than kayaking there. I mean, probably water sports. Yeah, is there like some kind of memorial for the tragically hip or something? Probably. <laughs> probably, isn't it? Um, Are there a lot nope. of people going there just for that? Although one of the nice things about falling out of a canoe on a down log is it was very easy to get back in the canoe. I climbed up on the log mm-hmm. and got back in the canoe. Yeah. So that was bad. That was also the, the place where I shot a duck. Oh, very nice. We were, we were good. It was fun. I, I loved it. Hmm. Um, there's a certain feeling for some reason that comes about with weather warming up and spring coming. And I know it hasn't started yet, but it's, it's difficult to quantify. And I, I was feeling it on the drive here for some reason. Usually when I think back to where this feeling begins, it's usually somebody drops a really good album. And there's something that just def- like it defines the rest of the year. And I want to, for me, it was um, Kendrick Lamar's Dam at the beginning of like last, was it last year or 2017? I don't know. It was a while ago. That was, it was one of the springs that it came out. And I was just, that just set the mood for the entire summer. And it, it, it's almost like you wake up out of this like weird winter depression slumber. Do you, do you get the, the fall depression? No, I get it like February, oh. like, like now there's see now it doesn't bother me i know i i don't know why but like eh, not october november there's always those slightly darker than average gray days where the leaves are blowing around and there's that winter chill in the air and i i haven't been able to figure out what it is because as much as i like the summer i i don't mind the winter but every fall there's just that slight depression that hits where it's like uh but i haven't figured out why but every year it happens and every year i can i like oh this this feeling again Mm. and i don't know if it's like you know it's another year gone by or something like that maybe but it's 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 less direct for me to do with even the weather it's more for some reason at this time of year things like repetitive behaviors like for instance at work if I'm doing a task in building a house that I've done so many times and I know it in and out, that is just mind-numbingly, it, it becomes like painful on how mind-numbing it is. And it's just, for some reason this time of year, that just brings it out. I could be doing the same thing in the summertime and not really mind as much. And and finding new tasks and things that are different at this time of year is kind of neat. It kind of keeps things interesting. It doesn't really have to be all depressing but it's definitely work related i would say i don't really get it when i was in school i wouldn't say so do you find it harder to wake up in the mornings when it's negative 20 out compared to a nice a nice 20 degree morning in the summer for some reason the morning is actually the best part of the day i love pretty much from about 5 5 30 when i wake up until about 10 o'clock and after that i've had it why is that just because of the cold i just like the morning no i don't the cold's fine doesn't really bother me that much you get used to doing things in like freezing temperatures too like this morning at work the 
air compressor that runs on like a gas Honda engine didn't it would turn on and it would shut off and I, I've seen the symptoms like dozens and dozens and dozens of times so I knew okay it's time to change the oil or top it up or whatever because it burns a little bit of oil something about doing that in the freezing cold while for most people be a huge pain in the ass is for some reason exhilarating to me I love it, it goes it's similar to um the show what's the the one we were talking about the in the freezing cold up north life below zero life below zero. it's like that it's for some reason it is extremely satisfying solving problems in extreme conditions so in other words you're ready to go film season seven with me is are they actually six seasons deep they're pretty deep okay. compared to i've never got past the first season i love the show i just never it's not like the kind of thing i think of watching when i go to you know i watch when you when you mentioned it to me i watched like the first three or four episodes and it's on my list but it's good now i'm back on a shark tank kick for some reason (laughs) that's because when i'm doing stuff around if i listen to shark tank it's 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 more formulaic than say life below zero but it's less formulaic than uh, house which is another mm-hmm. show i'm watching house yes they're always going to solve the illness at the end of the show at least with shark tank you get to learn about different businesses and then you get to hear the the opinion and whatnot and never got into shark tank i like the idea of it a little bit <laughs> but i don't really care to watch it it's an interesting it's an interesting show and it's it's one that like when you see i It'd be the kind of show that I'd be watching and there's these expert, you know, these business people that are going to invest in something and I'd be sitting there calling them a fucking idiot because they made a decision contrary to what I believe about said product or something. Sometimes they they do that. They don't see potential or they see potential where it doesn't exist and they're full of shit. But some of them have billions of dollars to say that they're right. Like there are some products where all think it's stupid and they'll go in and the panel is a variety of different people there's real estate investors there's there's different investors so for some to say this isn't my industry i'm out that's not a smite on the product that's just i can't really do anything with this i can't give you the value you're looking for and because i don't have a a i mean first off i don't have a billion dollars but i don't have a uh expertise i can look at them kind of neutrally and think what could or couldn't be done but there's some good products and there's some really stupid products and then there's some really in-between products that could work but then it's all down to the people very rarely is there a really good product and a really stupid person and on the flip side very rarely is there a really smart person and a really stupid product but there's a lot of weird in-betweens where the product is just kind of but the person selling it could probably sell a million units and vice versa sometimes a product has potential but the person just isn't isn't amazing so it's neat it's once again unfortunately formulaic especially in the way that they shoot it um typically the last the last uh pitch in every episode it's typically gets a little bit longer there's a there's quite often some sort of story behind it and more often than not although sometimes they do throw you through a curveball so i guess that's nice because then it's not formulaic Mm -hmm. they don't get the they don't get the uh pitch and then every so often there's a pre-roll like they'll actually go to the business's headquarters and be like ah we're so-and-so from here and this is what we do and they'll tell the story 
And you would think that as they walk in and pitch, that automatically means they're going to get it. But no, sometimes they spend the time to film the pre-roll and then they don't get the deal. So they kind of play with the expectations a little bit. What kind of products do people usually make? Are we talking about stuff you would use in like a household or like in say like agricultural industry or something? It's all over the place. It's all over the place. Um, it, it sounds interesting by nature. The, the last episode I watched was from season seven of Shark Tank and it was a military special. So it was all people who were ex-military or current military. Um, in the episode, one of the pitchers was a um, military guy who solved a tie problem, like an actual necktie problem. And he came up with, just it sounds kind of stupid to explain it, but a literal attachment for your button-down shirt that would hang high enough on the back of the tie and low enough and go through the loop of the tie so that way the tie always stayed snug with your shirt yet there was movement with the shirt on like the clips which sometimes let the tie pull up and then when you sit down it worked that's a very odd thing and he didn't get the funding but then i mean if i ever saw it i might do it but i don't wear ties too too often anymore um there was a military, there was a, a team of military wives who teamed up with other military wives. I learned that most American military wives, it's the third time I said that, move an average of once every 2.9 years across country to follow their military husbands. And they say that creates a lot of issues because you can't build a community in three. Like it's really hard to, to kind of, show yourself in this community to know you're going to be gone for three years. You can't really attain anything more than a part-time job or a full-time media, like just menial job because you're going to be gone in three years. They so what they like did is they work. Hmm? Like a social network. They created something. a social network yeah. for, for military wives. And what they do is they take a bunch of old military uniforms and outfits and pieces and they make handbags and, and designer items huh. like purses and every purse gets designed by a specific like there's a design but every purse gets put together by a specific wife there's a story behind the clothing and whatnot so it's a bit interesting they had a the last one which was again a little bit longer because there was a story there was a couple of guys who had a clothing business that was manufactured of all places in Afghanistan. So these American guys who had found a woman who was Afghan came to America to learn, went back to Af- Afghanistan after she heard that there was some, I mean, obviously they don't treat women that well there. Um, she, this woman created an underground schooling for women in Afghanistan and then eventually was able to build a company out of it. So this this Afghan woman has a factory that employs just women, which is a very forward thinking thing in Afghanistan. I could be getting some of the facts wrong and they make the product. So it's American, but it's kind of, it's an American company, but they're employing, they're, they're going about it in a different way compared to the military. They're employing Afghans. They're creating relationships with, the people i'm butchered i did not pitch that well no they got the money 
It's a very good pitch. I was wondering. But it it made sense. It's it's uh some of the ideas are more I guess long and strung out like that one. Is there anything that's like revolutionary on there like somebody invents something with the impact of like a can opener or something? Something that has integrated itself into our daily lives and right now? Yeah. Nothing has anything ever come on the show to, to be like that. Um have you ever had clod hoppers? Yeah. They were on there. That's an odd thing. When was the show first aired? Well, okay, sorry, not Shark Tank. They were on Dragon's Den. When the Canadian version. When was that first like aired? Like 2009? And that's when Clawhoppers Hoppers became a thing? Hmm. I could have swear they were older than that, but maybe not. They're good. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a weird one because it's not really a utility it's, thing. It's not really going to change the world, but they were good candy. Well, um, a product... Every so often, products will come on that I recognize, and that's always neat. Because, like, when you watch Survivor and somebody wins Survivor, you never hear from them again. What they do, they survive. That's great. Probably they win a million dollars. And they go home. Lost their money, right? At least with this, when you see somebody win, a you can Google to see if they're around or if you think the product's good enough. But b, I see some stuff in stores and on Dragon's Den, the Canadian version. Uh, one of the earlier seasons, some guy came in who had the same back issue that I had, and he said the problem was is every winter I became useless. I couldn't shovel. Okay. He said just the way that shovels work, and he created um, something that got a deal almost instantaneously called the heft. And I think it's in Canadian Tire and all those places. And what it is, it's an attachment for the shovels. It just goes on the front. It goes on the front and handle, and then that way it's more arm movement than back movement. And I see it every year, and every year it's like, that's that's amazing. I used one of those shovels at work not that long ago. It was okay. I didn't really notice much of a difference, but I don't have back problems, so. So maybe that's where you get the uh, the benefit. So, just just kind of neat. Huh. I mean, the show itself. The, the reason why it does so well is because be it the Canadian version, Dragon's Den, or the American version, Shark Tank, it's selling the American or the Canadian dream. A little bit. It also would probably make me think. Uh, I don't. I don't know what. It's it's the striving towards having more creative jobs everybody's got this creative desire in them for the most part for mo- almost, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about almost everybody will never bring those creative you know passions to fruition it's just this weird issue with society where like there's tons of new jobs all the time but just about all of them lack any creative input even if you were involved in a creative project something like to do maybe like film production like you you're still being told what to do at the end of the day and you pretty much have no weight with changing the final you know dr- picture of, of what you're doing in That's, many ways okay take film production as a as a whole that's a very creative thing at least on the outside it's very creative it's it's a business right there almost every job is creative only to an extent that director that i met doing the one show yep staying vague um, it, it, his job is to direct the show, but he can't say, "Oh, I'm going to kill off this character." That doesn't work. No. Why? Because the showrunner said, "Yeah, that's that's not what's going to happen." Yes. Now the showrunner can't say, "Actually, you know what? Yeah, we're going to kill off this character." Can't do that because the producers, uh, uh-uh, uh, that's that's not it. Okay. And if the producers like, "Actually, we're going to kill off the character," uh, 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 
TV network says you can't do that. Uh-huh. So there's even a lot of people weighing in. There's a lot of people and, weighing in, and almost there's probably a huge fleet of writers that are all sort of bringing ideas to the table. So, oh. Might be easier to go that way. This is how I die. It won't be easier going that way. I don't think. Oh God! I, I think you're wrong I'm about trapped. that, Jesse. You can move that. And we can move it after. We have rope and a balcony. <laughs> That seems like bad choices. Oh boy. Um, but no, that that's that's true. There's a lot of there's a lot of creativity, but there's only there's only so much. There's a few of few of the jobs give you large creativity. Another, I mean, instance of it too is if you're talking about just working at a fast food place making burgers. That's your job. I've done it. Your extent of the creativity is where you're going to place the pickles on the burger, right? There's not that much choice. You don't get to choose what's on it necessarily. I mean, usually the there's a pre-designed list of how to make it. You don't get to choose the quantity no. of the pickles. You have very little creative freedom, even. And and there's just a thing that drives people nuts. I think after a long time. Well, that's that's that. very menial. Yeah. Just just very. by nature, but that unfortunately is the job. Um, to find a purely creative job, you can't, I mean, you can't, uh, find a job that will pay you for just being creative. I would say that's not necessarily true for a couple of reasons. Well, you have to get lucky. It's, it's the whole 1% of, you know, everybody kind of thing gets to be in that position. If, If you go up even to my job, construction, you have to go up the chain to, you're looking at basically architects. And engineers and they get to use their brain power to sort of come up with unique ways of solving problems and that's about as far as that goes and a bunch of other people have to step in and approve it and fucking change your vision all the sorts of things but at least you get a significant creative input in that case and another thing another type of uh, example is just content creators like a photographer of some kind has an extreme tolerance of creative input True. Like, yes, you might be getting paid to shoot certain types of, I don't know, weddings or portraits or whatever, but you could easily flip on a dime and say, I'm going to shoot this and I'm going to shoot it this way. And that's my style. And you might fail, but you well, might that's also just be it. If we're, ta- if we're talking about jobs that pay for the creativity, yeah, that's right. If I, if I wanted to just, I, I can't think of anything super creative on the photography. If I wanted to go out and just shoot, every different type of tree trunk like if i wanted to make tree trunk photography and that was my thing and i thought it was super creative that's fine that's great i can be as creative as i want i'm sure there's some really beautiful patterns in tree trunks now that i think about it yeah am i gonna make money no no so that's where we're unless lightning in a bottle and you know people for some reason start collecting tree trunk artwork but if you're interested in tree trunk photography let me know we do commissions yes um like even even purely creative like there are people that get paid um i rewatched steve jobs not the ashton kutcher one one that was done by aaron sorkin keep talking okay uh rewatched steve jobs it was a very good movie my time you're uh okay I wasn't going to keep talking if you were going to go to the washroom because I wouldn't be talking to you anymore. Um, very good movie, but then I 
watch some of the behind the scenes because it's very interesting. It's written like a stage play almost. It's a it's a three act movie. Every act is thirty minutes, pretty much to a T, and it's basically all dialogue. There's not a ton of action. And Aaron Sorkin, critically acclaimed writer, Social Network stuff like that, his agent at the kind of the studio's behalf said, "Here's money. You're writing this." That's it. And he didn't say, this is what we want to happen. He said, we have the rights to the Walter Isaacson book. Uh-huh. Adapt it. And then that would that, that be... might be the purest creativity. Now, would that be too much pressure? Because now it's so open-ended. Where do you even begin? Which is why that... that Humans uh, can't deal with that much creativity, I don't think. I, he did. Because he, he turned it on its... On its uh, head basically when you when you're doing a biopic like if i told you i mean we watched bohemian rhapsody which is right there great great film good movie you're playing the hits you're playing freddie mercury's hits that's that's literally what it is yeah. all the points of the his life in chronological order it's a birth to the grave story basically starts a little bit later than birth that's fine uh jersey boys we've seen the movie we're going to see the show Greatest hits. Mm-hmm. Kind of same thing. Birth to grave. Again. Not too hard to weave a narrative with things that already exist. No, like that's that. true. Um, the Ashton Kutcher Steve Jobs movie from two thir- 2013. Same sort of thing. Greatest hits. Pirates of Silicon Valley, just because I'm going to be talking about the Steve Jobs thing. That's from 99. Greatest hits. Greatest hits of Steve Jobs and Bill Gates in that point. A lot of movies are like that. You do a biopic quite often. It's going to be the key points. Those are what people want to see. So you would think that, oh, you're going to do a Steve Jobs biopic and it's going to be based on the novel. The novel itself is very detailed, but it once again is greatest hits. It's huge. It's a wonderful book, but it starts from when he was born and goes to when he dies. Aaron Sorkin said, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Plus... A biopic about him just came out a few years ago. So what does he do? He says, we're going to base it around the three product launches. We're going to base it around the the uh, Macintosh launch, the next computer launch, and the iMac launch. The three kind of big... Big s- and a failure of sorts? Well, the, iMac, the Macintosh wasn't a failure. No, no, that was, was not a failure. The, the next. next computer yes. was, yes. but... If it had not existed, the Apple OS probably wouldn't be where it is today because sure. they borrowed. So there's that, and then the iMac was the was the um, kind of the coming home again thing for Steve Jobs. Okay, so we're gonna do it based on the three product launches, and then he admits everything that we talked about in the movie happened, but it didn't happen 30 minutes before the launch. So the story of his relationship with his daughter, his relationship with the new CEO of Apple mm-hmm. and everything. Ha- it's all conversation. There's a lot about his daughter in the film. Okay. So I was listening to the CBC like a half a year ago sometime and they were going over a bunch of how her relationship to her father was and maybe it was because it was surrounding that release of that film. But I don't know. It was interesting anyways. I could see how it could be in a movie. Yes. And he openly admits... This this 
discussion never happened 30 minutes. I mean, some of it potentially, I guess, could have, but this never happened exactly like this. Yeah. But the drama and the the character points and the the way Steve Jobs was, that was the portrayal. And it and it it was a very, very unique biopic. He didn't die. He didn't even release the iPod. At the end of the movie, he's telling his daughter, because his daughter, Lisa, was always kind of a interesting person and she had a Walkman. They that's the only thing that's a little bit silly. The movies typically show like the Steve Job or the Ashton Kutcher one. He is seen wandering the Apple campuses before he becomes CEO again. And he's got a Walkman and he's like, I hate this. Like it doesn't work. And you're like, oh, okay, I get it. And you know what? They, that probably was kind of like that. They did say they designed the original iPod as something that they thought would be cool and handy. So having a Walkman that skipped all the time or only held one CD, I can see the inspiration. They did the same thing in the Sorkin movie, but instead he's like, you know, I'm going to change that. A thousand songs in your pocket. But it never gets to that point. Hmm. But it's just a very neat movie. It's well-directed. What classic Apple products do you still have? Classic? Yeah, like stuff that's older than, I don't know, 10 years. You got any old iPods and iPhones? Well, I have the iPhone 4, which is in 10 years. It's going on nine years it's older i wouldn't put it as classic it's a it's i i like it a lot i like i love the iphone 4 the comparison that they made immediately was comparing apple to leica and the way that the form factor was something but the squared off body and all the metal that was used it was it was this really mechanically beautiful thing and i will say i, I had an iphone 4s at one point that was probably one of the best feeling products as far as build quality and design I've ever had. I mean, I've never had a Leica camera. <laughs> I probably won't. But but no, it was excellent in terms of that. I like it. Yeah. And I... I mean, I... Build quality of even the old um, iPod, the big ones, the ones they called the classics after a while or something, those felt great. Yeah, some just some of the heavier ones. Even the first gen one was okay, although the plastics felt a little cheap. In a box, I have a few older iPods, but that's the that's the extent of it. I, I didn't have the older stuff. My original MacBook was stolen, so I don't have my original battery replaceable MacBook. It came with the with the plastic battery, which you could just click yep. and take the tab out, kind of neat. Uh, that was stolen, so I didn't get to keep Still it. Still available on lots of Windows machines, but yes, yeah. um, I have my 2011 MacBook Pro, so that's eight years old, dated but not classic. No, but it's close to ten. Yeah. Um, and I have an original. I have a, I have the original iPod Shuffle somewhere. That's cool. See that that did in the classic vein. I almost that was the first iPod I had. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. I never. I never. I was too poor to get... Well, actually, no, I had an iPod Touch when I was in high school. Too poor. Best iPod. <laughs> it was the best iPod, but when I was much younger than that, like I, I'm, I was in my late teens or something. Maybe not my late teens. Somewhere in my teens when I got that. And yeah, it was great. For, it was the 8 gig one. It was the cheapest one you could get. But before that, I'd never been able to... Ha I, I, had a, I had a disc player in my 
some kind of. Discord. I had an MP3 player before. Oh yeah, I I did buy one MP3. I think it was RCA MP3 player. I had I had a <laughs> half a gig um, micro SD card in it. It was okay. It worked. No, the the iPod. Yeah, it'd be the iPod Shuffle would probably be the oldest one that I have because that was my first one. I got an iPod uh, Nano to replace it, and then I got my first iPod Touch, which I had for years. Like that, that yeah. I don't know. I did have a Walkman too, and they they let Walkman, 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 whatever, uh, Sony Walkman for a long time. And I don't know if the life cycle of a iPod was longer than a Walkman, but like, well, it wouldn't. The, I think a Walkman probably had a longer life span. Nah, more moving parts. Oh, you mean like how long it lasted? Yeah. Oh no, iPods are pretty much indestructible. If you, it, it was so weird because when they were really popular. I'd be in the fucking the returns line at Best Buy or something, and like there's always a man there, like, oh, my daughter dropped this off the couch and hit the carpet and it broke or something, which sounds absolutely ridiculous because every instance I've ever seen of you know an iPod taking a fall or whatever, especially the old ones that didn't have screens that would just shatter, yeah, they're like indestructible. Yeah, even the ones with the hard drives were fucking durable, even though they had a mechanical hard drive inside of them. The first iPod Touch that I had, I didn't have a case on it. And I had it from, well, it was the first iPod Touch. So whenever it came out, probably, what, 2008, 2009, probably around then, till 2014. Mm -hmm. And I never had an issue with it. On my birthday in 2014, uh, Jessica and I were heading out. I thought I'd put it in my pocket, and I moved my hand because I had gloves on. Didn't have a case on it. Never had a case. Yeah. And it fell face first on the ground and it shattered the screen. Yeah. So I bought myself a birthday present. I bought the one that I have now. Okay. Well, actually, no, that's not true. That. I bought the one that I have now. Then I got <laughs> robbed in Cuba and then I got it replaced. I got robbed in Cuba a few months after I got that iPod. So Sucks. That doesn't... Yeah, that was not pleasant. No. No. The Those devices had decent build it. quality overall, but there was some weird works like the mp3 player i had i remember very distinctly now what it felt like in my hand and to plug it into the computer it had a, a full-size usb and it was kind of the same idea as like a flash drive now where there was like an actual plastic cap that went over the end of it that you'd have to take off you could that was the stick iPod it shuffled though too shuffle did that too no i no way it was the same like yeah. that really the original ipod shuffle oh i guess it did yeah yeah okay the mp3 player i had was like that and it never, the cap, I don't think, fell off in your pocket at any point. No. But even the, the iPod Shuffle, even it came with two caps. One was the just the standard curved cap, and the other one was one where you could wear it around your neck. Mm-hmm. And even wearing it around your neck, it never, it was never an issue. There's a strange nostalgia I have that I could feel, especially like in high school. I, would, I remember d- distinctly going for like, runs and stuff like that when i was in some kind of exercise class and there's the weird connection where i had my own music my own mp3s that i got probably from limewire at the time and there's no i don't remember any interface like this it was just skip 
you could skip songs, you could change the volume. There was very few functions. The screen had different co- like LED backlight colors. That was it. You didn't really you didn't look at the thing too much. You just kept right. pressing buttons, which was kind of interesting. Very very interesting. I I saw I watched a documentary on LimeWire the other day. Did you on use YouTube? That? Yeah, you saw it too. I watched it this morning. I, it's probably in the recommended videos or something. It was from a YouTuber I've never seen before, but it yeah. must have blown up. That, Did you use LimeWire? Yes, prolifically. From from quite the early 2000s. So I didn't use it soon from after the early. I got out of it probably right around the time when it got you know destroyed because basically as soon as i went to school in 2010 they were all like you know as as future content creators you shouldn't do that you shouldn't do that i hate i hate the guilt people would associate with it but you know what it was freedom it was and it changed the industry to an extent but it is true it's problematic. I told you the paranormal activity story, right? Yeah. How I guilted my teacher. I think so. I think we did that on Pretty the sure. podcast. Yeah. So that that's nice. But when, I mean, as you said, there's so many moving parts to a movie and then somebody just steals it. Oh, yeah. That, th- there's definitely negative attributes about it, but it's so one-sided to look at it and say, People are just stealing the things that people have made. And these people work so hard. Because there's so many benefits to having such proliferation of your content. I don't think half... Like, the, a lot of people were suing LimeWire for, like... One of them was, like... They said, it was like, it was something in the trillions of dollars. Some ridiculous amount. And it's like, you... These companies, I'm sorry. You never would have made those sales. No. Not a chance. Not even not even 1% of the ch- sales you're projecting would have ever happened. And there's there's some arguments. Vince Gilligan has said quite a bit that Breaking Bad wouldn't have been the success that it was without people watching it illegally. Yeah. Oh, I torrented all of it. <laughs> and I bought lots of stuff later. That's right. the thing. I paid and every for time, it later. I've watched it legally on Netflix, but every time I see a box set on sale of everything, because it came with a few exclusive behind the scenes documentaries and it's just a neat thing i'm like yeah i'll get it one day just because i've enjoyed it so yeah. much and, and the documentary kind of goes over that where it, that system of things where people want content and they want it now and you can see consumer behavior and it pl- paved the way for things like netflix and the way that apple you know apple music and all these co- companies are doing it right now well itunes um again in the book this steve jobs when the iTunes store came out, he said, when you think about having to do your torrenting and whatnot, you never knew originally if it was going to be a high quality. And I was fine with taking that risk. Right. You, and some people, some people would, but if you really wanted it to be high quality, you could spend a lot of time finding the high quality or the best version. It was fun in doing that. So when iTunes came out, he said, each song's 99 cents. That's it. And... If you take even like 20 minutes trying to find the best version of the song, you're working for less than minimum wage. Trying to. It's an interesting argument from a person that's trying to get the money from you, but. Well, 99 cents. I mean, 99 cents, bam, you're done. It's not stealing. And at one point, I forget which point, I always think about going back to the book. I think it was when they introduced iCloud. They said you could back up your music library to iCloud and 
no matter where you got the music, ill-gotten gained or not, they would give you the high-quality and for whatever format version of it in a- the cloud. AAC or yeah. whatever Apple's bullshit So is. that was a neat thing for them to do, yeah. to just say, we'll... It's, it's a strange thing in my opinion, but whatever. I did like that you could... I, I used the CD burning feature a lot in iTunes. iTunes was really good for that. I did too. Rip all my CDs to a library in their full dot .wave uncompressed format. When I was in college, our radio teacher every lab and i'm pretty sure his labs were on fridays he would always start with a big with a song and the song would be based on something big that happened in the in the audio world or media world and one friday here comes the sun was playing and why and when you think about it now that's amazing why was here comes the sun playing because that was when the Beatles collection dropped on iTunes, where you could buy everything, the entire collection for like whatever it was one ninety nine or two ninety nine, like every album, absolutely everything, and that was a big deal. Sounds pretty great. Although I probably pirated on LimeWire like a decade prior. Well, of course, <laughs> I like it because they put such a great amount of care into the. I mean, they're. They now have a collection of some really good digital tracks, so they they have a they have a um, curated museum of digital music. That's the funny thing about stuff, especially torrents like you would find on the Pirate Bay. There's curators to it. There's people who are so incredibly passionate about certain artists and certain music that they've put together these. It, it almost is like its own product. Except the person creating it knows it's going to be free, <laughs> and they're almost just riding off the karma of that. They're doing it for nothing but just the the greater the joy. Good. Yeah, uh, incredible lossless files all over the place. People taking the time to convert certain things, include certain album artworks, and like just a detailed yeah. list of things. You have this like digital copy of something that's it feels like a product. Like if they sold that in the store, if they did, I'd buy it, right? But a lot of times they don't sell similar things to that. I went, I went to Sunrise Records the other day. You couldn't walk out of there with a Led Zeppelin album for less than $30. It was ridiculous. Some artists, I, they just charge a lot. It's not most of the artists that do that, but they put their music on a pedestal. And it was for what? Like there was some soft cover CDs. There was one C, There was just one album and it wasn't anything special. It wasn't like some kind of set or anything. It's kind of kind of lame. I mean, if there was decent products for that, I'd, I'd buy them. For sure. Hey, I was happy. Well, everybody's all like, oh, the Beatles for one ninety nine or two ninety nine, whatever the price point was. I'm pretty sure it was one ninety nine, which I mean for everything that came, including some unreleased tracks, and I'm pretty sure there were some bonus tracks where you actually got to listen to the band create like some of their hits. Like they recorded the entire session, so you got to hear them playing the riffs develop I would the like riffs to do that. Right? Um, so everybody's talking about that. Oh, it's one ninety nine, one ninety nine. Oh, and also, by the way, the entire Jimmy Buffett collection is forty nine ninety nine. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Done. Let's do it. Fifty years of music. Let's go for it. Like the Beatles collection, it's it's not everything they ever made. It's just it, it was. It was. Oh God. See, there's a lot. It was of, a good deal. But there's a lot of crap in there. That's well, yeah. And that's. I mean, that's kind of less of a curated list at that point. More just. 
it's it, filtered it's, through it. It is the ultimate collection of everything, and some people would want that. There's oh, a lot of crap in yeah. the Jimmy Buffett collection, oh, yeah. too. It, it almost seems weird to collect it digitally, though. I, I don't like having digital baggage. Like, if I get a, if I bought a CD and it had a couple songs on it and I didn't care for, it seems almost less offensive than on my computer. If I am listening to stuff, I will just delete it hard off my hard drive. I don't want it if it's not something I'm going to listen to. So, strange. I don't know. I wouldn't want to have it packaged in there in the first place. I'm, I'm a big fan of getting music from like greatest hits hits albums greatest hits albums are nice yeah and and you know i guess that's kind of a basic thing to say but for the most part the hits don't lie (laughs) no i mean i think of like some of the 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 problem is is oh are you a fan yeah you know what i love the who what who songs do i have uh just from the greatest hits consequently also at least it's not just the ones that appear in csi basically that's what it oh, is god <laughs> okay so of the one who cd that i had which was the greatest hits yeah i think there was 10 songs on there three of them are from csi yeah right so already 30 percent, and then the other ones they're not like you become i don't want to say a lukewarm fan not that it's that big a deal but you can't say oh Sure, I have Ozzy Osbourne on my iPod. What do I have on it? What What's You've on it? Probably got Crazy Train. Yeah, exactly. Which isn't even Ozzy Osbourne. It's Black, or no, no, no. It's it's Ozzy Osbourne. For some reason, it slipped my mind. A lot of people will have um, stuff from Black Sabbath, and I think they got Ozzy Osbourne, Biggs or Iron Man or something. Stuff like that. You you miss. Some, sometimes there is good things that wasn't a hit. Or weren't like there's sometimes some really good shit that's just that wasn't a top forty hit or whatever. Oh yeah. So having the entire collection, although then that takes time because you gotta go through it all and think, ah, oh, well this is good, and then that's what hard. A first world problem having to go through a list of stuff you had downloaded. Oh. I, I realize it's not an actual problem, but then music also changes over time. Sure personally people's personal preferences well, yeah. don't change much over time they do a little bit but we're at the end of our plasticity on music pretty much whatever we like at this point in our lives it's not changing no 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 no. I, I, i'm not i don't mean that i mean if you like okay i find it and i hate bringing it up but it is just the way it is as i've said before I've gotten older. I appreciate other Jimmy Buffett songs more than others now because okay. they have different different themes, different emotions, different lyrics. Like it's it's maybe relatable. It's more relatable. Sure. So whereas I will still, as I've said before, enjoy Margaritaville whenever it's on. Is it the most played song on my iPod? Fuck no. Was it ever? I really hope not really hope not but it, it's there's smaller songs that are just more meaningful that yeah the taste in the artist hasn't changed but the songs have changed the lyrics perhaps mean something different which is kind of why a lot of people can sort of stick to what they know from their entire lives and not really have to worry about it because it's almost like what's old is new again after you yourself go through certain changes or you decide to listen to something after a very long time of not listening to it and 
get a new appreciation for it. <sighs> it's yeah. I every once in a while, I I think maybe I should go. I know it still exists on a computer, on a with a hard drive, at my parents' cottage. This computer is like so outdated. It probably had like an eighty gigabyte full size hard drive. <laughs> It has all of the things I ever downloaded from LimeWire. Yeah. And I know for a fact that I never thought about a lot of the artists and, and stuff that was on that probably in that list ever again. I never, just because I do, I consume stuff in album formats now. Like after LimeWire died off and I, I stopped using it, I, I became a little bit more basic in that I would just go buy albums at the store or whatever and just consume music differently like that. And there's weird, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of one-off stuff that I probably have entirely forgotten about for a good fifth, maybe, yeah, 10 years. I maybe 15, yeah. had a hard drive crash uh, on an old computer of mine when I was in my first year of college, so probably early 2011. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get a fix because it wasn't my main computer. It was a desktop. It was a Windows computer, but I wasn't using it for anything but maybe The Sims 2. Uh-huh. But it was my computer that I had used throughout like 2004 to 2010 so six years of teenage everything yeah a lot of writing projects on and whatnot but i did have backups of it didn't think about it till one day at bd's i'm like huh we got a tech guy so i went to him i'm like i have a really old hard drive was it, it still a... works can you get stuff off of it was it an ide cable hooked up to it i can't remember okay i want to hear the rest of the story because i might have a solution i got it somewhere whatever it doesn't matter okay it was an 80 gig hard drive as well. Okay. Um, and he's like, sure. So he brought it in, and or I brought it in, and he got everything off. Oh, nice. And it was interesting to go back because uh, I got a lot of old stories that I didn't even remember that I had wrote or written yep. that were crap and probably shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. And the LimeWire music, which is also a... You know, a common, a common thing. Justin, did you ever use LimeWire? All the time. Gave my computer viruses. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you're not careful about it. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I mean, you were viruses what, were quite. What were prolific. you? We're talking. Because I use LimeWire. What did you? You still have torrented stuff. What do you use? But do you get the email from the internet service provider telling you that he's torrenting shit? No. Uh, when LimeWire <laughs> went down, um, I switched to FrostWire. Oh yeah, that was a thing. Which for was a the while. same thing, basically, just pretty much different. Um, but when I, you know, torrented a, a lot of stuff, um, his computer it it killed it, his it, computer. You yeah. got to be careful with <laughs> torrents are easy because at least you can see what the files are before you get them. Yeah, LimeWire you can you can hide shit. Yeah, which is um, why people got a lot of viruses. But I used to torrent like TV shows. Yeah, and stuff like that um, from Pirate Bay. Yep. Yeah. Domains keep changing on that, but it is it still does, up. It does, yeah. It is still but, up. Um, I don't use it anymore. You're a streamer? Yes. Yeah. It's too convenient with a lot of the streaming services that it's it's almost unnecessary Yeah. in many ways. Do you still have a torrent on your computer? I like still have you torrent on my computer. I just, oh, yeah. You can use it to acquire I mean, lots of other stuff. Yeah. When I don't want to pay $10 for a CD, a full album, I'll just... Yeah. Yeah, although YouTube has made that too easy now. You don't even need a torrent. You just, I mean, I... You use YouTube to MP3? Yeah. 
or oh. W. This this is what's smart. I I'm too keen on the lossless stuff that I don't want to deal with. Well, I understand that, but sometimes, especially for like a royalty free music or, um, uh, oh royalty free music sound sense. soundtracks or sound effects. Yeah. If you go www. This is this is not necessarily good to say, but www. Uh, whatever YouTube video you have, then you take out the U-B-E in YouTube and just do yut.com slash whatever it is. It'll take you right to a download thing. They have a program too, which is not half bad. And I think if you have YouTube Red, you can actually download the videos anyways. You can yeah, save them for offline for use. Yeah. You save them for offline use. They're not really downloaded. Oh, okay. It's like cached for a while. Oh, okay. Yeah. Paid YouTube services and it's expensive too. Yeah. Well, yes. Do you know how much it is? What is it? Ten bucks a month or something? Maybe more than that. Maybe more than that. That's pricey. When you say, "Oh, we're gonna be more expensive yeah. than Netflix," that's yeah. And then you get all your YouTube comedy skits that only are YouTube Red exclusive. That was another fine cameo by Justin Dacoon. Do you know how many of them he's up to now? Pardon? Do you know how many he's got? How many are you up to, Justin? I've lost count. I should go back and take a look. Maybe I'll have a Justin cameo meter for next episode. YouTube Premium in U.S. is saying something about eleven ninety nine USD. So it's probably quite a bit Canadian. Oh, well. It's probably like fourteen ninety nine Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pricey. You do get, I guess, a lot. But I, I like Google Play Music. It's not. Um, I mean, I'm not paying for it. Somebody else is paying for me, which is <laughs> nice. But yeah, you get a lot. I like it. I wonder if they're ever gonna stop paying for me. That'd be annoying. So I haven't talked to them about it for more than a year after they gave me a link to their family account, family plan thing. Oh. <sighs> I um. I use for music YouTube and amazon music because it's with my prime what's that like it's basically a mix between spotify and apple music right. but there's as with amazon prime video there's less of a music selection but it's fine i if i don't know if they have a separate function where you don't get prime but you can just pay a subscription for prime music i wouldn't do that but since it comes with prime i see it as a as a sales pitch like hey when you get amazon prime you also get amazon Some prime video stuff. and amazon prime music it's convenient right yeah. so there is merit there but i wouldn't pay for it if, if, but i i also don't pay for apple music or anything like that a lot of pretty much everybody i know with an iphone for the most part, pays for oh. Apple Music. I do not. Sort of trap themselves in that world. And then, like, Melissa has Spotify, so when we're driving, she'll... Because streaming music on your phone, it's just so... It's so negligible to your data plan. It's so... It's not terrible. It, so Podcasts she, especially, I like doing. Yeah. I Speaking of podcasts on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play Music, a funny us. thing happened on the way to the podcast. It's available. Yeah. <laughs> Check us out. Even though you're already listening to us, so I don't really mind if you do it whatever way you've already Some episodes are weird. 
Like they, some of them are listened to. I, I don't understand. I don't. We don't have enough views for the analytics to make any sense. No. Drop a comment on the Facebook video of where you prefer to choose your podcast listening. Where do you listen them on? I listen to podcasts mostly on YouTube because people have like video ones, and it's just I listen to them when I'm at my desktop. Me too. A lot of time. Yep. But if I'm not at my desktop. A lot of times I'll, I'll use Google Play Music because people will archive them there. And I like the interface of Google Play Music a lot more than Apple Music. So that's where I like to go. I mean, really, I don't listen to much other than the Joe Rogan podcast. And I'll occasionally try a new podcast and I'll just listen to one. And usually I never I never listen to more than that. But it kind of gives me an idea of what people are talking about. Like There's like historical ones that talk about historical figures or like... Just different, completely different podcast ideas. They're more shows than podcasts. It's true. the The podcast format is it's really just a, a radio title. Show. It's a radio show with people that are unqualified to have a radio show. But if you want your own radio show, oh, I sent you fuck, that. That link. was stupid. That was weird. We, so you sent me a link of because you Facebook a broadcasting service. Facebook just sends me everything that you would think would be good but it's not. I don't know what the heck the advantage is. It's a, it's a broadcasting service that puts you what what do, it doesn't do anything that I need something to do. It doesn't make any sense. There's already internet radio <laughs> out there. So let's let's give it its fair shot. I'll you go back to You can already live that. stream a podcast to Facebook or YouTube if you wanted to. Well, that's just it. Like it's like, oh, you could potentially, yeah, the potent. Unless you're putting us on the air, it's not. It's the issue of not having eyeballs. For so whatever. it's citrus3.com. Yeah, it is a UK-based company, and citrus3.com should load. There we go. It's loading. Thank you, citrus3.com. Uh, Citrus3.com is the internet radio company. Citrus3, or if anybody from Citrus3 is listening, we'd love to try you out. Will we? No. If you if you prove us wrong and you know let us try you out for free, I'd be willing to see what it's no, like. I don't, I don't care. I don't care if it's free. I don't really want it. Broadcasting has never been easier. Really? It's pretty easy. It's really easy. If we didn't have the video, the episode could be up tonight. Yep. We could and even did, if we... Just we did it live. Yes, we could still do it live. I still want to try that. Okay. Just saying. We'll do it. Uh, start an internet radio station and broadcast to listeners worldwide on any computer, phone, or internet radio in just a few minutes. Kind of what we're already doing. Software included for Mac and PC. Uh, it's a what free radio what page. I want to use my Ubuntu. Don't have a website? No problem. Citrus 3 provides a web page so your listeners can tune in right away. A powerful auto DJ. Simply upload your MP3s to Auto DJ service. Build your playlist and let Citrus Three do the broadcast for you. What they just send send it to people? Are they going to promote my content? Uh, Well, let's let's see. And also, who is it? People that have this app, the only ones that can view the content, because then you're promising promising me nothing, basically. So if I was really into Citrus Three, and I wanted the most expensive package sure this is what i get uh this is called the shoutcast pro package which is 49 dollars per month holy fuck the stream quality what would you think the screen call stream quality is data rate yeah 
I don't know. Is it video yeah. or is it just it's audio? audio? It's got to be at least 320 KB per second. <laughs> Fuck it then. 256. Well, okay, that's probably what we're getting off YouTube. I don't know what other services have. So your max listeners. So is, fuck it. Why am I going to pay for that? That's ridiculous. Max listeners is unlimited. Monthly bandwidth is unlimited. Great. You mean like YouTube and Facebook and Spotify and everybody else? Auto DJ is unlimited. Auto DJ storage, rather. Yeah, it comes with a mobile app. Software is included. You have an HTML HTML5 player. Listener stats and a control panel. Um, Listener stats. You mean analytics like everybody else yes. has. Uh, as I said, the software is included. Free web page, uh, which you can hook up a domain to. Easy website integration. Song requests. Make your listeners love you and give them the freedom to request a song from your computer or auto DJ media These library. Are, this is for DJs. This is what this is for. And also, that's it's still stupid. What's wrong with SoundCloud? And, and then now services? there's now playing album art. Like, it just shows like an image for. Yeah. Okay. This is a service that is not useful to us or I think anybody hey, we know. Facebook says it's useful to me. So. Well, somebody on fa- somebody paid Facebook some advertising money for Facebook to tell you that. I wonder what that was. The fact that I. Maybe it's because I just said that I'm now an owner in a podcast. My job changed on Facebook. Oh, now you're getting broadcasting. <laughs> why can't it just be like, why can't they just start sending you like job applications for like radio DJ? Be a lot better. That, you would have to go on Indeed for that. Yeah. That'd be fun. Would be. <sighs> I'm, I'm probably going to sound a lot more raspy in my voice this podcast. I am... I believe getting sick, but I don't know for a fact yet because I feel pretty good. You're pale. Yeah. That might just be because, I don't know, I'm exhausted and probably, and not getting sun because the sun doesn't shine anymore. The sun doesn't come out tomorrow? I don't know. I, actually, I think the next two days will be good weather. What's the I, weather supposed to be like in Barrie this weekend, Eric? I'm not going to Barrie. Well, up north. Yeah, we're going to like... Near, we're almost going to Sudbury. Okay. Okay. Well, let's. We got to do a contrast. So where we are in St. Catharines, current weather is negative four. It's been snowing all day. So it's been a hectic blizzard kind of day. It's been yeah, not bad, not amazing. But for this weekend, in perspective, because that's when we're going, it'll be four degrees, two degrees, and negative three degrees over the cross. Oh. Those are the highs of the day, and the lows about negative seven to negative nine. Now, I'm going to look up weather specifically where we are going to. So, in a nearby city of Newellville, the current weather is negative 6. So, not that no. big a difference. Overnight low of negative 18. It's chilly. Yeah, tonight. And on the weekend, the high for the three days is negative 1, negative 7, and negative 9, which is like the overnight lows we get down here. The overnight lows there are negative 16, negative 19, and again, negative 19. So it's going to be cold. But not unbearable. I find it gets... The the weather for up there around the French River area seems to be sunnier more often. I like... Like, I don't mind the cold at all. Well, bring warm clothes. Yeah, of course. I got warm clothes. Um, 
Now oh, that'll be that'll be great. Uh, I'm glad to get away. We are doing a film project for those watching. Yes, it's not really anything too special just yet. It's just a bunch of us having fun with some cameras. It, it might be special. I don't know. Depends how much shit my brother talks, but that's to to be seen. Well, we'll see. He, he's big into the. I'll give him a give him a realistic view on everything. If okay, if any of our viewers are still watching. Because we're into the podcast a good hour and ten minutes or so. Who in our audience likes like Trailer Boy or Trailer Park Boys or like Red Green Show? I, mean, I love Red Green. Met like, once. And and can you envision a show that would embody Canadian humor? And do you think that those kind of shows do a good job, or do you think perhaps that there's some kind of void that's left not not filled? I think Canadian shows nowadays there's a they're at a really healthy i don't want to say peak but they're at we, some of the best we've ever seen because we have letter kenny i'm always an awesome yes show. Uh, my brother also talked about that as being an inspiration there's point. also cavendish which is a cbc original yeah. about brothers and pei um then there's always been the red green show yep. there's Shit's creek there's lots of cartoons growing up as a kid i loved canadian corner cartoons. Gas. yeah love corner guys so so maybe maybe the, there isn't some kind of unfilled void I'm thinking, and and so is everybody else on this that's in on this idea. Essentially, there's almost a French Canadian kind of twist. It's sort of a atmosphere that probably spans from about the middle or about northern Ontario to maybe towards the Maritimes. But it's I don't know. There's a certain attitude people have and mannerisms and all that that could really be funny. Well, that's good because you. I mean, we mentioned Cavendish, so that's. That's out east. Yeah. Letterkenny's out west, right? There's lots of stuff that takes place in the states, so you you need the the northern Ontario feel, which for a lot of people is just depression, and it's not. A lot of people don't seem to live very fulfilled lives once you get north of Sudbury, pretty much. That's okay. Yeah. We'll turn it into a film hotspot. Yeah, I don't think so. Either. Maybe a, yeah. about all it is now is like a moose hunting hotspot, and that's that's ah, about it. That's a hotspot. Yeah. There's there's so there's so much good Canadian humor. Like even a good example for a cartoon, Ivana the Yukon, so good. I don't know if you ever watched any of that, but it, it's it's fantastic. That's old. Is it though? It was in the two thousands, wasn't it? I bet earlier. You think so? Yeah. I don't even know what that um, late nineties. Mid to late nineties, my Mid bad. Mid to late nineties, maybe. I guess ninety six. of the Yukon. Maybe. I could be wrong. Let's see if you're wrong. IMDb gives it a six point nine to ten. That's bullshit. That shows I mean, they don't get our humor. That's that's what it is. <laughs> that's what I've decided. Final episode date was two thousand five. So let me. I, I don't Original know. era date, please. I am looking for it. Yvonne of the Yukon. It ran for three seasons and had fifty two episodes. So it looks like it's tipping in my favor right now in the 2000s. Yeah, a little bit. Um, the fictional... Based on the fictional town of Upper Mukshaw, <laughs> the show premiered on YTV on the 9th of September, 1999. So it premiered uh, fair, at the very end of the 90s. Okay, fairly in between. I yeah. was wrong, but I did say mid to late 90s. Even the animation style kind of reeks of the early 2000s, I would say fantastic show anyways if, if you haven't seen it to watch. It. yeah 
<sighs> That's good. There's Canadian content is great, uh, especially Canadian content that celebrates Canada. Yeah. It, it's a weird twist of a, pretty much all of you think of white people a lot when you think of Canada because it's, a, I guess, a prolifically <laughs> Caucasian country. But it's a lot of, like, European ancestry kind of people sort of meshing together, especially, like, obviously in the cities. But if you go up north, it's it's a lot of French, at least here, there's a lot of French background for French Canadians. And there's a lot of people that are native, Aboriginal to the land, which have an interesting twist on it. And, and there's a... There's almost an accent, and, and a lot of the show is going to be based off that. There's almost an accent that manifests somewhere from here to the Maritimes with people that have this this French-Canadian kind of accent mixed with, like, the Newfie kind of accent, maybe mixed with some of the mannerisms of, of natives, and it's, it all just comes together, and you get this strange combination of people that are quite something of their own. It's a boiling pot or a... a um like uh i don't know what i was going for we're 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 a weird mixed culture it's almost our version and it is definitely insulting but you gotta think of it in a good way almost it's our almost our canadian version of like trailer trash a little bit it's like the hillbillies it's it's like the people of society that aren't necessarily the academics or the the people that are at the (laughs) forefront of anything but they sort of they get by and they they have great personalities and funny yeah. stories to tell and they're we're not inherently as violent as our american counterparts which nope. i mean trailer park boys is a bit of a a parody of that which is it's kind of funny they involve lots of guns and drugs that and show stuff like that is so it's over the top but it's it's, it's over good. the top but it's amazing I have, I have an appreciation for it now anyways even it, i feel like i'm killing brain cells as i watch it but it's fantastic the first season when you <laughs> Like the production value is so low. Well, that's just it. When when you look at a low budget TV show that kind of connected with people, the first season they knew what they didn't have, and then that's how they shot it. There's quite a few scenes that you don't normally see in high budget TV shows where if the camera, I mean, the camera now has your shoulder in it. So you're here, and if I went 20 feet that way on a high-budget show, if I'm talking to you, you'd probably hear me talk to you, or at least the camera could hear me talk to you or the microphone could. They didn't didn't have the budget for a secondary boom or a lav. So when you yell at me, that microphone hears you, and then when I yell at you, you can tell I'm far away. Like, they played with the budget. It kind of – it doesn't feel wrong the way that – It doesn't feel wrong. A lot of the the talking head stuff, too, is interesting the way – they're trying to play it out like it's a documentary of these people's lives and yep. it, it's it's funny it is very funny that, that you gotta get creative i guess with the low budget kind of stuff you but do I, I would love to know and pioneer some kind of technique to to do that i guess and we're not as as low budget in the sense that we have actually pretty good equipment at, at our disposal but there's obviously still limitations when you don't have anybody helping you with the production you have maybe what's the limitation we have a limited number of people. We don't have real actors for what we're going to try to do, which doesn't require too many people, luckily. So we could find. Some you have a production. You have a, a crew of three. Yeah, we got to do sound, lighting, That's you. camera operation. Of course, it's me. You're the sound guy. 
I don't. Yeah. You like sound. I, I do. I like video aspects of stuff right. too, and I like lighting. I like all of it. Right. I would be bored out of my mind if I had to do one of those for the rest of my life. If I was in the film industry and I was a, I was a boom operator, just <laughs> I'm jumping off the Burgoyne Bridge. It's it's done. <laughs> I had to bring that up because it's somewhat relevant to right now, oh. and yes, it is a touchy topic. <laughs> But I just read an article in the news that was could basically be summarized as Man from Mississauga comes to St. Catherine, somebody who jumped and died, unfortunately. But it, the article be, could be summarized as police launch an investigation into person's and death. And it was canceled. And they found out that the person jumped of their own will. Okay. They were looking for like a month into stuff? No. What did they think? The person was forced at gunpoint to jump off of a bridge? It's possible. It's possible, but it's, it's they don't. They time. don't investigate every death like that. So no. sometimes, the reason why they do it is there. There could have been a reason for it. Sure, there probably could have. Shouldn't been. have taken a month, but there could have been I a reason know. for it. Maybe. I, I don't know much about police work, so I, I give them the benefit of the doubt, perhaps. But love, the article was stupid. Yes, I didn't like the article. I read the same article. <laughs> I love low budget filmmaking, and I think that I mean I'm probably love high budget filmmaking too but i think that the ability to go out now and shoot something i think it's gonna look really good i think even if it's a rush i think we make it look really good mm -hmm. and we can we we can really showcase a talent um and there's lots of stuff that i want to talk to you about but we won't talk about oh, no. it here he, here's the thing that i will talk about i have a a big preference and we've talked about it before i know for a fact on the podcast for practical effects, stunts, no, practical all the and, time, and doing stunts and and thing yeah. and blowing stuff, actually blowing stuff up, and I don't, know, I for some reason I don't feel like I would ever be staying true to myself if it was all green screen. All of a sudden, it was all fake, and sometimes, and sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes but. it's very necessary. One of the things that Teal and I talk about with her script is how you do things low budget without making it look shit. Uh huh. And sometimes you have to be really creative. And I haven't come up with a practical way of doing it. In her script, there's a rock slide scene. A bunch of rocks fall down. A low-budget movie. And I hate it when they do this. Shake a camera or something. So there'd, there'd be camera shake, and then you'd get B-roll or stock footage I'm of fucking, a rock slide. Nah. And then it cuts to your actor underneath the rocks. That's horrible. Yes. That's horrible. And there's ways around it. But how do you do it that makes it look good? Here's an interesting thing that we have the freedom to do since we're not a bunch of pussies in a film union. We could set up a rock slide. <laughs> I'm going I'm to make a bold statement. I don't I don't like the idea of unions in general. I think they they make things a bit too soft on the edges. You could you could legit set up a rock slide if you're not having somebody breathing down your neck about health and safety and you knew that you could do it. Can't put the actors in, in risk statement. though. Oh no, of course not. But you could you could have a legit rock slide, practical effect. No, 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 no. Nobody at risk. I, no, no, I'm not saying that. The rock slide's fine. It's how do you? Because you can't put an actor underneath a rock slide. No, safely, not, not safely. So then, or even unsafe. I mean, it's it's not good. Mm -hmm. So you need to find a way to mix. Because doing a practical rock slide, sure, that's great. We get to plan it exactly. There's there's things you can do. I know there's things you could. Let's say. You change the circumstances, and for some reason, they are around some kind of debris, or there's a car door, or there's something around them that is a blockade, and you could do the physics equations if you want to. How much power 
do those rocks coming down the hill have? Because you've weighed them and you know the slope and you've measured it and you could deduce they're not going to you hurt the person behind the door. don't watch a lot of movies, do you? Most people don't take real physics into account. Yes. Well, I would love to do that because then it would be somewhat more convincing and I wouldn't feel like it'd be keeping me up at night knowing that I, I lied and people are going to call me out on my bullshit. You could, you could probably do it. You just have to change the circumstances that put the person out of danger. Oh, yeah. And there's lots of film projects that people do that still have an element of danger to them. I mean, like you can look at Jackass films as an extreme example. There's that's lots very, of stunts that That's hurt a people. very extreme example. Yes. Even uh, Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible is probably one of the more mainstream movies where they're like, wait a second. You, uh, Tom Cruise on an actual side of an airplane. Most people wouldn't do that. Most people wouldn't put the airplane that high up. No green screen. Let's mm-hmm. do it. That's crazy. Right? That's real. There's some major props to that film crew that'll just say, sure, yeah, Tom Cruise, airplane, let's go. Really? Yeah. Wow. Scaling a building in Dubai? Holy shit. People do things like that for the sake of doing them, not necessarily for the sake of filming them. Well, I know, but when you put it to film, that's where it becomes interesting because most people are never going to be able to experience um there was a but some people do take those risks there was a movie starring joseph gordon levitt uh where he played a tightrope walker can't remember the name of the movie came out a few years ago high wire something like that and he was the whole plot of the movie was him planning to walk uh across the twin towers can't remember the name i think we've talked about this on the podcast the cinematography awesome. in that movie, the camera movements, I saw it in theaters mm-hmm. when the camera's moving and he's walking and it cranes down below. There's that whole, hey, don't look down. Whew, big theater. That's a that's a thing that you never, most people will never be able to experience that. Mm-hmm. So putting it down to film, even if it was CG, they conveyed it very well. I would not have let Joseph Gordon-Levitt tightrope walk across well, you can't tightrope walk across the twin towers anymore but no he cannot but uh that that's something that cg is almost needed for yeah I, and it was breathtaking if, if it's this big scale production where you need to do these crazy stunts sure i don't think i'm would be like working on anything that's of that level okay christmas time. movie CG will be needed because sleighs flying through the yes. sky and shit. Yeah. That's that's fair. That's that's, that's needed. You're working with the constraint of a lore, and you have to deliver. Yes, in that case, um, quite literally. The best argument for CG versus practical that I've seen in recent times: take 2015's Jurassic World versus 2018's Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. 2015's Jurassic World was all CG. Every dinosaur there was, except for one scene with an apatosaurus where they used a robotic arm or neck. Everything else was CG. Yeah, and it was everything. It was okay CG. Some of them, okay. I remember when I saw it in theaters, I'm like, that's either an animatronic because I didn't know that they hadn't used any animatronics. I'm like, that's either really, really good CG or really, really good animatronics. It was all CG. 2018's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom used a lot more animatronics and it makes such a difference. Does it, yeah. There's a scene in the movie where they're operating on one of the raptors and it's a real it's a real robot. It's laying there, it's interacting, it's biting at them and the actors are acting. It sounds stupid, but they're acting to this dinosaur because well, they have something in front of they them. Have they have something react physical to. in front. He's he it scratched. Helps. It's Helps with awesome motivation. scene. It's probably one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah. 
because there's emotion and the robotics are so good when you see this raptor's face and they're looking like the the robot is emoting as well I want to take an interesting turn almost with motivations because we're talking about the motivation of actors in that situation. I just thought of Trailer Park Boys and I thought of (laughs) something new with it that I've never thought about before. That is the only thing, the only TV show where I can say that the camera crew is an active part of the motivation of the characters because... What about The Office? Oh yeah, that too, I guess. But in the Trailer Park Boys, (laughs) in a more low-budget fashion... Many scenes start with camera crews turning on the cameras literally as they're coming up to, like, they're approaching the actors in a place. Like, yeah. They come around a corner and they're there. And they pull up the camera. Like, they're follow, following them like a film crew would. And it's so, it changes the mood of it so much more where they almost are putting on this perform. Like, you get that actors are sort of acting. You, you get the vibe that they're acting a little bit because there's some camera watching yeah. them. They're, they're playing up this drama or whatever's going on because they know they know that they're being watched all of a sudden. Like they're doing something and mood changes because the camera guy's there. And it's it's a weird thing where you can actually acknowledge the camera in that situation. Whereas most TV is, don't look at the camera, don't pretend it doesn't exist. No, that's true. Yeah. And, and The Office is another example, I guess, where that sort of comes The Office, play. basically any camera, any show that has that style where there's supposed to be a camera crew watching. So The Office, um, Modern Family does it a bit too, especially because the characters react to the camera more so than just breaking the fourth wall, but they they do the, um, the sit-down interviews and whatnot. So once the camera becomes a character or an active person involved, then that's, that's when it can become interesting. And it gives you an excuse to have a boom operator and a shot and other sorts of things that yeah, it otherwise would up fly. a lot of a lot of potential issues. Yeah, it makes it makes things easier. That's working within a budget and working within certain constraints. I want to go watch a movie at a theater right now, but I don't think I have time for that tonight, unfortunately. You can come with Melissa and I. What are you gonna go see? <laughs> Isn't it romantic? Well, I haven't heard of it yet. I we explained it to. Tila and you on Sunday. For me, it's almost like the perfect movie because yeah, it's cute because it's a romantic movie. But then also on the on the flip side, it's a movie that sends up romantic movies. She hits her head and she wakes up in a PG thirteen oh, movie. Okay, that one. Hmm. But it's not. It's past your bedtime because it doesn't start till nine forty. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> be able to handle that. <laughs> but the concept, while nothing new, sure. You want to make fun of a genre? I'm with you. 88% of Google users liked it, but it only got a 6.1 on IMDb. Whatever. Yeah. For Where do you normally go to watch your theater productions? Well, this time it'll be in Welland. So you're going to go to Welland? Yeah. I want to go, but no. It's too late so for you. Only we're a little bit sooner. Okay, anyways, I think it's time to wrap up because we've been had we've had quite a good podcast. This was a good one. Um, yeah. We'll we'll talk to you uh, same time, same place next Monday. Also, if you made it to the end, write in the comments what you think of the audio. Does it sound good? Is it too quiet? It Probably sounds, sounds great unless I say sibilance. Don't yeah, the S's <laughs> don't work well. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good one. Bye bye.